Hello and welcome back to the Collapse Experiment. I'm doing something a little bit different uh, this, this video. If you like this content, uh, like and subscribe, share this video. And to get to the story today, the CIA asset that funded the Oklahoma City bombing. This article uh, was recently mentioned in an interview with Wendy Painting. Uh, on the Program to Chill podcast, you should check that out. She has a 10-11 part interview discussing her book on the uh, secret lives of Timothy McVeigh. Uh, a very, very deep and involved 720-page book <laughs> on the life of Timothy McVeigh. Uh, she's currently working on a second book, and she mentioned this in an inter interview. I had to look it up myself. Uh, this is a more detailed account with more research on an accomplice who was never prosecuted for his involvement in the Oklahoma City bombing named Roger Moore. So... I have not read this yet. This will be a first for me. I'm sure it'll be a first for you. Uh, the link you can find at thecollapseexperiment.com. And this is a substack, no joke, booty.substack.com uh, by Botsman Booty. I don't know if that's his real last name or not. I, I hope not, but if so, uh, be proud. Be proud of that booty. So yeah, uh, October... Second, 2022 is when this was published. So, the following is an excerpt from a longer piece in preparation describing the involvement of several individuals with known or alleged ties to the Central Intelligence Agency in the Oklahoma City bombing, the deadliest domestic terrorist attack in the United States history. In the sanctioned version of events easily found on... Uh, Wikipedia, U.S. Army veterans Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols whipped into anti-government rage by the massacres at Ruby Ridge and Waco constructed a large truck bomb with no significant help from any other individuals and detonated it outside the Murrah Federal Building in Oklahoma City on April 19, 1995, killing at least 168 people. This narrative is patently false. Others were clearly involved in the bombing. In fact, that was confirmed with no certain terms by both Terry Nichols and Timothy McVeigh <clears throat> multiple times to multiple people. In this excerpt, I explore the story of Roger Moore, not to be mistaken with that other Roger Moore, the not-so-great uh, uh, James Bond out of all of them, an especially interesting character who both Nichols and McVeigh have suggested played a much larger role in the events leading up to the Oklahoma City bombing than is publicly acknowledged. It appears that Timothy McVeigh's first contact after embarking upon the National Gun Show circuit in early 1993 was a man with extensive uh, alleged CIA connections. <clears throat> this man's name was Roger Moore. No, not that Roger Moore. We will delve into the rumors and facts about Moore's intelligence affiliation soon, but first it will be useful to sketch an outline of the relationship between Moore and McVeigh. An FBI 302 
an interview report form detailing a May 1995 interview with Moore describes the first meeting between McVeigh and Moore as having occurred in Florida at a gun show in January of 1993. As Moore told the story, McVeigh was at the show selling various trinkets and bits of racist paraphernalia. And they met while Moore was approached uh, when Moore approached his table to purchase a clock and a Confederate flag. Because I guess you you run out of those. I don't know. Evidently, the two headed off as they soon made plans to meet up and split a table at another Florida gun show the following month. Aww. Look, a relationship started. Their next meeting resulted in an invitation from Moore for McVeigh to come and stay at his ranch in Arkansas. And McVeigh took him up on this. Visiting repeatedly for a day or two at a time during his trips cross crisscrossing the United States to visit gun shows and pedal wares in 1993 to 1994. McVeigh would stop by the ranch and help Moore's girlfriend, Karen Anderson, with odd jobs for small quantities of cash. And he also attended several gun shows with one or more of the couple. On at least one occasion, McVeigh, accompanied by Anderson, even trafficked arms for Moore from Arkansas to Florida. Interestingly, the weapons were going to a group of plant... We're going to a group planning a coup against Fidel Castro. Wow. I don't recall ever hearing that. So so McVeigh helped armed uh, anti-Castro <laughs> groups. Okay. More on this later. <clears throat> Despite what appears to be a fairly close relationship between McVeigh and Moore, in late 1994, McVeigh enlisted Terry Nichols, in a plot to rob Moore's ranch to acquire funds for the bombing that they were planning. In fact, Nichols alleges that McVeigh threatened to harm Nichols and his family if he did not participate. But Nichols also says that McVeigh reassured him, it will be much easier than you think, Moore will be like a kitten, and you will and will give you absolutely no trouble at all. Just trust me. Eventually, Nichols acceded and... McVeigh gave him very specific instructions about how the operation had to be conducted and what to expect at the ranch, down to the precise time that Moore would be would step outside his house on the morning of the robbery. So on November 5th, 1994, Nichols robbed him. Or did he? Well, he did. Well, maybe. It depends on your definition of robbery. Can someone be robbed when they're in on the plot? In addition to stepping out of his house into Nichols' clutches at the time, McVeigh said he would. <clears throat> Moore had also conveniently parked his van right next to the ranch's door, allowing Nichols easy and quickly uh, to easily and quickly transfer the items he was stealing into the van, which he also stole. After the robbery, when Nichols returned to Kansas to meet with McVeigh, McVeigh somehow already knew it had gone off without a hitch which suggests Moore had contacted him afterward. Nichols was alleged to have taken over 70 guns from Moore's ranch, which Moore claimed were all stored in a closet in the master bedroom. But according to Rick Spivey, an insurance claims adjuster who evaluated Moore's story, this just didn't make sense. Given the lack of closet space and absence of gun safes on the property, Spivey was skeptical that those guns could have been kept in storage at the ranch at all, let alone in just the master bedroom. 70 guns. Okay, I'm, I'm pro-Second Amendment. 
And hey, if you want 70 guns, you can have 70 guns. I'm just trying to figure out how long it would take to transfer 70 guns <laughs> into Because uh, I'm guessing they weren't 22s. They weren't lightweight. Spivy also said he thought Moore was reciting a rehearsed script when discussing the robbery. A neighbor, Walt Powell, said that Moore had acted insincerely and that the robbery was a put-on. Walt's wife, Verda, recalled Roger Moore using her telephone, conversing in a low voice to some person, explaining what had happened in the robbery. McVeigh? Lance, son of the Powells, noted that his father had to coax Moore into calling the cops when he came to their home after the robbery. The police officer that responded to Moore's call later branded the case bullshit. <clears throat> and the timeline of the bombing compiled by the U.S. Secret Service states that its initial analysis of a letter from Moore to McVeigh dated 4-19-1995 indicates that Moore and McVeigh set up the robbery. Inconsistencies in the story Moore told of the robbery, many of them detailed in the Nichols defense team memorandum, led further credence to the idea that he was misinterpreting what happened. So what was really going on? Let's find out. One straightforward possibility is that Moore was collaborating with McVeigh in a ruse to provide funds for the bombing while maintaining plausible deniability surrounding his involvement. Nichols sure thinks so. <clears throat> in the court declaration cited earlier, he claims that McVeigh explicitly told him that he was chosen to carry out the robbery so that if Moore was polygraphed, he could truthfully testify that he did not know the robber and that the purpose of the robbery was so nobody could link Moore to McVeigh and the bombing. He also described Moore, Karen Anderson, and the gun show circuit they traveled with McVeigh as the network. McVeigh used to obtain materials, people, and knowledge which would carry out the Oklahoma City bombing. From prison, Nichols sent letters to the grandmother of two victims of the bombing and to several fellow inmates in which he claimed that Moore provided the explosives that were used to detonate the bomb and that Moore helped McVeigh case out potential bombing targets. In the same letters, he described the location of a bomb of a box of explosive compound in the basement of his old home that prior investigations had missed, which he claimed sported a label addressed to Robert Miller, a known alias of Roger Moore, which he was confident would be covered with Moore's fingerprints. The box was found exactly where Nichols said it would be. But according to Wendy Painting's Aberration in the Heartland of the Real, great book by the way, check it out, from here on, referred to as aberration, the FBI want, waited years to analyze the fingerprints on the box, by which point they could not provide conclusive identification. For his part, McVeigh told the attorneys that Moore sold him several batches of kinstick explosives and that if Moore ever decided to testify against him, that there was enough evidence available to sink Roger Moore. And it is noteworthy that Moore was reported by a bondsman to have tried to bail McVeigh out when he was jailed the day of the bombing after being pulled over for a minor traffic infraction and arrested for illegal possession of a firearm. This all seems to point towards Moore's involvement in the bomb plot. And it goes on. So who was Roger Moore? 
and why did he seemingly work to assist McVeigh in executing the bombing? When McVeigh met him, the image more projected was essentially that of an anti-government extremist traveling to gun shows to sell ammunition, firearm components, and bootlegged pornography. I, I don't know what bootleg pornography is, <clears throat> but um, okay. I mean, this was what? Oh, this was the 90s. Let's see here. So let's see here. Uh, two other right-wing militias. Wait, firearm components and bootleg pornography to other right-wing militias. So militias needed a, a steady stream of pornography? Weird. <clears throat> but Moore's extensive history of government employee does not fit with his persona. Drawing on the biographical memo about Moore produced by Nichols' defense team, some facts include that Moore served in the Social Security Administration and the Air Force, that Moore and his wife, Carol, held top-secret security clearances. Keep in mind, Moore's wife, not girlfriend. Uh-oh. Uh, while working for North American Aviation, a government contractor and precursor to Boeing that built a variety of iconic aircraft, and that Moore became wealthy via a series of boat-building businesses in Florida in the 1960s and 70s, which attracted contracts to make patrol boats for use by the U.S. Navy in the Vietnam War, as well as speedboats for the CIA, according to Aberration. Purportedly, the money he accumulated in the boat business, millions of dollars, according to an employee at a securities firm where Moore was a client, is what allowed him to stop working and pursue his other interests. Bootleg pornography. I'm just going to go back to that. Networking across the country with extremists. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but there is an abundant hint, but there are abundant hints that deeper connections between Roger Moore and the federal government persisted along after the end of his official employment several of which are detailed in the previously cited Nichols defense memo. After all, why else would he pop up talking to cops and no fewer than six separate videotapes made during a law enforcement sting operation called Operation Punch-Out that resulted in several arrests for the theft and sale of military property in 1988. Why else would the ATF abruptly, without explanation, drop an investigation into reports that Moore was illegally selling the powerful explosive C4. Why else would Moore explicitly describe himself as a protected witness? When his attorney told him during the argument that he hoped Moore would be indicted for funding the Oklahoma City bombing, why else would he lament that whatever I was doing for the FBI is fucked up because they blew my cover? Without further elaboration in a discussion with Arkansas Democratic Gazette reporter Rodney Bowers. <clears throat> so let's, let's go back to what Moore just said. Whatever I was doing for the FBI is fucked up because they blew my cover. Okay. <clears throat> These events and statements are very easy to explain if Moore was working for the government, and they are very difficult to explain otherwise. And to make matters worse, better, worse, Moore's links don't seem to be limited to law enforcement agencies like the FBI. 
a series of intelligence source rumors about more that have not yet been publicly confirmed, the anti-communist paramilitary organization with which Moore was affiliated, and a curious, highly redacted document about Moore all suggest a long-standing and underappreciated relationship between Moore and the CIA. Direct claims of Moore's CIA employment come from former intelligence operatives who spoke on the condition of anonymity to the OKC bombing investigators. This necessarily means these claims are unverified, but some credibility is provided by the fact that a CIA relationship is alleged by multiple sources, one of whom was later revealed to be a credible whistleblower. David Hoffman's The Oklahoma City Bombing and The Politics of Terror, published in 1998, claims a retired CIA DIA agent I spoke to in Arkansas said Moore was an agency contractor. Consistent with this, a former intelligence operative told retired Marine Lieutenant Colonel and Intelligence Specialist Roger Charles that Moore taught sabotage techniques for the CIA and at the Camp Perry military base in Virginia in 1997 interview that served as source material for Charles' 2012 book with Andrew Gumbel, Oklahoma City, What the Investigation Missed, and Why It Still Matters. In 2020, in a phone call and email, Charles revealed to Oklahoma City bombing researcher Richard Booth that he had received this information from William T. Golden, personal communication. Golden was a civilian with decades of experience in Army intelligence work who had blown the whistle multiple times in the late 80s and early 90s regarding corruption he observed in Pentagon operations as significant cost to his career. Arguably, this suggests some degree of integrity and commitment to the truth. Let's see here. I just lost my spot. Which should bolster confidence to his allegation that Moore was employed by the CIA at Camp Perry. Taken in isolation from other evidence, these claims may not make an airtight case for Moore's being affiliated with the CIA, but the relationship becomes more plausible in light of the fact that Moore apparently spent years providing funds and arms to groups suspected of having deep ties to the agency. Yeah, uh, this guy's story is pretty crazy. Civilian Material Assistance, a.k.a. uh, CMA, was a group organized in 1983 to provide aid to Central American anti-communist fighters, primarily the Contra guerrillas of Nicaragua. Iran-Contra, anyone? Roger Moore was involved with the group during the 1980s and afterwards serving as CMA's paymaster, according to David Hoffman in his book, The Oklahoma City Bombing and the Politics of Terror. Yeah, uh, from its early days, CMA was dogged by allegations of support from the CIA as a key part of Oliver North's private aid network, set up to circumvent legal restrictions Congress had placed on U.S. government assistance to the Contras. Direct government ties have been denied by CMA's founder, Tom Posey, but numerous reports appear to contradict him, and Posey himself may have been a government asset. For example, according to the book Revolutionaries for the Right by Kyle Burke, 
citing a series of cables from U.S. Embassy in Honduras stored in the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library, the CMA secured several CIA contracts through its liaison with the U.S. Ambassador in Honduras, John Negroponte. This might explain why two CMA members are killed when their CIA-provided helicopter was shot down in Nicaragua by uh, Sandinistas during a Contra raid that same year. Top-secret memos written by Oliver North show that North himself and at least one high-ranking CIA official, Dwayne Claridge, had foreknowledge of the raid and the involvement of the CMA members, and afterwards North promptly set to work arranging for the purchase of a replacement helicopter. Oh, gotta get that helicopter replaced. Jack Terrell, a leader of CMA, was also a CIA employee, and one of the CMA underlings claimed the CIA provided this, his camp in Nicaragua with $60,000 radio system. The aforementioned Dwayne Claridge, a CIA counter-terror chief, was forced to resign from his position in 1987 in part due to his improper protection of Terrell and other CIA CMA members during questioning before the House and Senate Intelligence Committee. Claridge was also described as a mastermind behind the CIA's mining of Nicaraguan harbors in not 1984, which is especially notable when coupled with the fact that at least four sources of varying credibility, an investigative memo from McVeigh's defense team, an investigative memo from Nichols' defense team, Al Martin's The Conspirators, and David Hoffman's The Oklahoma City Bombing and the Politics of Terror, reference the claims of Moore's involvement in an abortive Oliver North-led operation to mine Nicaraguan harbors. Holy crap. Uh, this raises the question of whether Moore might have been one of the CIA CMA members that Claridge was condemned for protecting regardless of the answer to that. It is clear that CMA, the paramilitary group that Roger Moore is associated with, had extensive ties to the CIA in its early years after Iran-Contra was exposed. CMA outwardly reconfigured as a white supremacist extremist militia. <laughs> you can't make this up. Uh, but just like Roger Moore's inaugural... In, in, uh, just like Roger Moore's pivot from government employment to government hatred, it is difficult to take CMA's apparent change of face value given the organization's documented history of government support. Although, we're going to be white supremacists now. <laughs> oh my god. FBI documents that were revealed to uh, in response to a FOIA request made by Edmund Berger uh, demonstrated that the CMA members were meeting in 1984 and 1985 with several anti-Castro Cuban exile groups to coordinate aid to the Contras. The anti-Castro groups that appear in the documents include Alpha 66, Omega 7, and Cuba Brigade, Brigade 2506, each which was originally founded, trained, and armed by the CIA. Collaboration between CMA and these groups during Iran-Contra might explain how it came to be that McVeigh once delivered weapons on Moore's behalf, including a rocket launcher, 
four or five boxes of product. Wait, is this porn? <laughs> four or five boxes of product. Uh, smoke and CS uh, grenades, flares, and exotic ammunition. To a group in the Florida Everglades training for a coup against Fidel Castro. According to McVeigh, Moore had also made numerous trips to Florida to deliver weapon weaponry to the group in the months and years beforehand. Although the date of McVeigh's delivery is not known, investigative journalist J.D. Cash's timeline of the Oklahoma City bombing list McVeigh as making a call on August 31st, 1994 from Pensacola, Florida, which happens to be the city where McVeigh says he handed off the weapons for the anti-Castro plotters to Roger Moore's wife, Carol. It should be noted that the timeline also refers to Pensacola as Tim's mother's hometown, suggesting Tim may have been there for family reasons, though his mother appears to have lived in a different city until 1998. As it happens, the same day McVeigh was in Pensacola, the St. Petersburg Times published a story reporting that several Cuban exile groups were actively training in the Everglades for imminent attacks on Cuba. Of those groups, which include the aforementioned CIA and CMA, tied Alpha 66 and Brigade 2506, uh, Perdido de Unidad Nacional Democrático was said in the report to be among the most active, with hundreds training daily in the swamps. PUND had received law enforcement attention multiple times in the preceding years, including seizures of arson arsenals from its Everglades base from a boat crewed with PUND affiliates bound for Cuba. In October of 1994, just a couple months after Tim's visit to Pensacola, seven members of the group launched an ill-fated attack on Cuba that ended in the death of a fisherman and the capture of the attackers by Cuban authorities. Although it is impossible to say for sure which group McVeigh's delivery went, PUND, location in the Everglades, Abundant weaponry and the relatively major attack they launched in late 1994 are all consistent with McVeigh's account of delivering arms to people in the Everglades who were training to overthrow Castro, and who Moore had been supplying for years beforehand. Suggesting a significant intelligence connection, PUND accounted at least two former CIA operatives among its membership, Frank Sturgis, Watergate burglar, who served as the group's counterintelligence chief. You mean the guy that got caught? Until his death in late 1993, and Luis Posada Carreles, who among other things is credited with the bombing of Cubana de Aviation Flight 455, which resulted in the death of 73 civilians. Whether Moore and McVeigh were providing weapons to PUND Alpha 66 Brigade 2506 or some other anti-Castro exile group, the Nexus provides another example of Moore's association with CIA adjective adjacent organizations bolstering the credibility of claims about Moore's CIA affiliation. Finally, Let's examine a curious, highly redacted cable from the Office of CIA Deputy Director of Operations. DDO is the head of the CIA's 
Directorate of Operations, which serves as a clandestine arm of the Central Intelligence Agency and the National Authority of Coordination, Deconfliction, and Evaluation of Clandestine Operations across the intelligence community of the United States. No, no lightweight. So it is fascinating to see that in January of 1997, he sent a cable to the FBI with the subject line, Oklahoma City Bombing. Roger Edwin Moore. Strangely, despite being posted publicly by the CIA on their online reading room, this communication seems to have flown under the radar of the Oklahoma City bombing researchers I have spoken to with primary document excerpts like Richard Booth, uh, J.M. Berger, telling me that they had never seen seen it until I showed it to them. The document indicates that it was approved for release in 2005, but it likely remained largely inaccessible to the public until 2017, when the CIA's Crest database was put online. Holy crap. And it goes on. The document, which originally received a secret classification, is heavily redacted, but the material that is visible is still quite revealing, and we can even learn something from the redactions themselves. Near the top of the cable, there is an alert, warning, notice, intelligence sources, or methods involved. Approximately the first third of the body of the communication is whited out, followed by a mostly unredacted section labeled as the third bullet point in a in a list summarizing news reports on more that cast doubt on the veracity of his stories about the robbery and question whether he might have been operating as a government informant. This short section is then followed by another redacted section, which also takes up about a third of the body of the document. Each redacted section is marked with symbols, which are codes for exemptions that a government agency can invoke to avoid disclosing sensitive information in response to the Freedom of Information Act request. Exemptions is uniformative without the Vaughn index that Vaughn index that accompanied this FOIA disclosure, as it simply means that some other statute was cited to justify excluding certain information. The FBI's page explaining FOIA exemptions described redacted code. Okay, in other words, the government cited concerns about national defense or foreign policy to avoid publicly disclosing information about Roger Moore, a man who provided money and explosive detonators to Timothy McVeigh that the CIA's DDO cabled to the FBI in relation to the Oklahoma City bombing. This cable was deemed sensitive enough to receive a secret classification and to merit a warning about intelligence sources and methods described therein. What might be hidden in these redacted sections? It seems very likely that at least one of the redacted bullet points is related to Moore's involvement with CMA. One wonders if that is all they decided they needed to hide from prying eyes. But regardless of the answer to the question... This cable seems to solidify the argument that Roger Moore had a relationship with the CIA. So, yeah, um, <laughs> this guy, oh man, there's, there's literally one paragraph left. So I'm going to finish that and then give you my thoughts on this. It is eyebrow-raising that the CIA-affiliated arms dealer helped McVeigh acquire funding and explosives that were used in the Oklahoma City bombing. 
But on its own, this connection could be written off as a coincidence. After all, there are plenty of CIA contractors scurrying around, and surely some of these more evil ones are happy to put their participation set of mass murder-related skills to use independently of the agency. But as it turns out, Roger Moore was not the only fellow with the CIA connections to cross paths with Timothy McVeigh and potentially play a role in the bombing of the Murrah building. Which brings us to Andreas Strassmeyer, whose interesting work will be discussed in a future installment. Oh, McVeigh. So, there... Yeah, there's Strassmeyer, there's Roger Moore, uh, there's a few other guys, but Roger Moore is the one that definitely has the resume to be, I don't know, McVeigh's handler, uh, when McVeigh went on the, uh, the, the gun show circuit, if you will, um, he was one of the first people that McVeigh came across, although... There was the phone call. Apparently, McVeigh received a phone call saying, you've been activated. This is your job. This is what you need to do. And then McVeigh goes across the country trying to connect himself with white supremacist. And, uh, of course, he had to portray one. He really, really loved the Turner Diaries. Did he really, though? I mean, was that supposed to be like a code or something? Like... Hey, uh, when, when you see the guy selling the Turner Diaries, that's our guy. Um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff in here. Strassmeyer, totally different story, but again, he's got connections as well. Roger Moore. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't talk about how he was selling gunboats to the Contras, because that was a thing, as far as I can tell. Um... That's something that repeatedly came up in other things that I was reading, along with his boat company. Plus, Roger Moore was building boats, uh, specialized boats, for people like George Herbert Walker Bush, who at the time, let's see here, former head of the CIA. So yeah, Roger Moore could have had connections with him through there. Uh, vice president under Reagan, then president up until, what, 92? Um, and then he, yeah, he's still out there building this stuff with secret compartments for, for smuggling and capturing smuggling. Yeah, it's it's a, a whole big fiasco. And as for the robbery, I don't know how Roger Moore was able to testify against McVeigh when he clearly supplied the funds and, and materials to make the, 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 the boom. <laughs> so I don't, I don't understand like what this guy and another thing that Wendy, uh, painting brought up in her interview, uh, is that apparently Moore got tired of being investigated by the FBI. So he made a few phone calls and next thing you know, a memo goes out to all the different, um, branches of the agency saying, uh, leave Roger Moore alone. So how this guy has that much stature to put a stop to FBI investigating him clearly shows that he has some type of connection that, um, that he's able to pull some string. I don't know if he called, who knows, maybe he called Bush himself and was like, Hey, I need you to make this happen. And Bush is like, oh, 
you know, after I get done talking to the Saudis about all the shit that I learned, uh, I'll, I'll get back to you. Because, <laughs> yeah, Daddy Bush was on Saudi payroll. So, yeah, um, Roger Moore, definitely an interesting guy. Both Nichols and McVeigh said that he supplied them with explosives. Uh, he clearly funded... It talks about the 70 guns, but there was also um, a stockpile of gold and silver that they were able to sell, because it's not traced, uh, to help buy the components of the uh, the big thing in the back of the Ryder truck. And... Um, I think that was about it. Uh, and this guy is pretty sketchy. There's stories about how he would just go off the rails and start shooting guns and while in a rampage. Um, a lot of interesting stuff about this dude. And yes, he was married. He also had a girlfriend that stayed at another place that he owned. Um, so the, the guy was quite the shyster. And... Um, I mean, he just he just has that look of like I'm a huge piece of crap. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's a, a fascinating tale. He didn't really want anybody looking into him at all. Um, which, if you're dealing with people like the Contras and other armed groups, that can be very vindictive if uh, you cross them. Um, you know, maybe it's understandable or maybe you just don't live your life as a douchebag. I don't know. So, yeah, uh, this was a fascinating article. I'm definitely going, I'm already subscribed, so I'm going to be looking forward to the Strassmeyer, um, the, the Strassmeyer article when that is released. And then, let's see here, there's some... Uh, acknowledgement that uh, he's got links on here to um, a lot of the other researchers, including Wendy Painting. Um, uh, who is this? Nickel, Nelson, let's see here, Edmund Berger. Some of the names that he, um, especially compiling the enormous OKC bombing archive hosted on Scott Horton's Libertarian Institute website. It's a fascinating thing to cruise through and see what kind of stuff they have. The court documents are freaking huge, and keep in mind this is word for word as to what was said during the trials. Um, yeah, and, and that's a good chunk of uh, what is on there. But uh, these people, they keep researching this stuff and they keep finding new and new information. More stuff is coming out. And there was recently an article about uh, Terrence Yeeke that was published. And just for shits and giggles, let's see what they have to say. Because uh, this is a fascinating story. And... Um, yeah, this is quite lengthy. So, you know what? I'm going to do a separate um, live stream on this perhaps tomorrow and go through this article because March 3rd, 2023, um, CNN, of all places, is writing an article about a guy who was found dead back in 1996. So, um, 
I really am curious as to what they have to say. I have not read this myself. But if there is an American hero that people should, kids should be growing up hearing about, it's Terrence Yeeke. Um This guy does not get the, he, for one, he doesn't get the justice that he deserves, even though he saved God knows how many lives. And, um, yeah, he was flat out murdered, um, probably by his own people, either that or the FBI. So... This cop, this cop who uh, put his own life at risk to save others, um, was, uh, yeah, it was blatantly murdered. It's very obvious, but for some reason it's labeled as a suicide. Interesting. So, yeah, um, I will cover this tomorrow. Um, I'm looking forward to reading this to see what Thomas Lake at CNN has to say about Yiki and uh, if he comes to the same conclusion. Hopefully, I mean, if he's writing this article, he's not taking the official narrative. <laughs> so, anyways, that's about it for me today. I've got other things to do. So, this will be my last live stream. Everyone, take care. This was... Definitely an enlightening article about Roger Moore. You can definitely learn more about him at other sources. And uh, yeah, check out uh, Horton's uh, Libertarian Institute for more information. Keep on typing.